welcome back. I'm Kim Bailey, she's Fuliana Osborne, and this is Inside Exec. Today we're going to look at a case study, and Fuliana's going to give us the outline of that. We're still going to follow in with the theme of emotional impact and people's emotional reaction to things. I've been asked by someone who's just taken over a new area, a new department if you like, and there's been meetings that have been carried out every week on a Monday, and these meetings, first observation, it appears that the meetings seem to have no particular structure, no clarity about what they're about, and the composition is not clear. Like he looks around the table and see different people from different roles, different areas. His initial reaction is, I probably need to make a change here, but I want to be respectful of people's long-standing contribution, emotional reaction, etc. What is the best way to go about this? Well, my first concern is that the meeting's on a Monday morning. I think Monday meetings are not the best way to prepare the team for what needs to happen that week unless what needs to happen that week is something that happened over the weekend. Just as I don't like to do a list first thing in the morning, I think that a list for what you're going to do on a certain day should be done the night before, last thing before you go to sleep so that unconsciously in your head you're already starting to work on it. I think that Friday meetings when you're planning for what is going to be done next week are a far better way to get yourself organised, get yourself thinking about it, get your team motivated and actually have the full week to work on it rather than lose part of Monday and part of the catch-up over the weekend and all of the other emotional things that can happen on a Monday that aren't going to help in the way the team works that don't necessarily happen on a Friday when we're already starting to, as my local residents call it, winding down. They're, mm-hmm. they're, see, at about now, I have to say, they start winding down for Christmas. They're, they're big <laughs> in winding down locally. But I do think that Friday is a better opportunity. See, we do have a culture that says a Friday meeting is a close of the week meeting where we talk about what we've done, not about what we're going to do. And I would like to see that change to Friday is a time where we discuss what is going to bring us the best benefit next week. And I think that that Friday meeting has a lot less potential for emotional input than a Monday meeting. The suggestions, Kim, that you just put forward, they make sense. They actually will help. But as you can imagine, there is probably about a dozen people around this table. Some will have exactly the same feelings and thoughts as you, and some will have different ones. So I guess the first thing is any change in something that's been established for so long is going to attract some emotions. Some of it, some people will welcome it, and some people will hate it. I guess the best thing to do, and from my experience, is to involve them in that decision. Involve them in their decision by listening and respecting what happened so far, and how do they come to this point. Don't leave it too late if you're new to the organisation or to that division. Do it early in the piece so that you're saying... People will get the impression initially that, oh, so you're just coming here to change it and you don't know what we've been through and how we got to this point. Avoid that by saying at the next meeting, i like to dedicate the meeting to talk about the meeting itself. Ask and invite people to share their understanding of the purpose of the meeting, the composition of the meeting, and what the expected outcomes from the meeting. And if need be, get them to, well, first of all, get the history and then, by he- listening to that and what been tried before and what worked and didn't work, 
then start building together what the meetings should look like, when they should be held, like was it Monday, how often, how often they should be held, who should be there. And the other thing is you could say, what is this meeting? Is it a decision-making meeting? Is it an information-sharing meeting? Is it a strategy-planning meeting? Is it a health checks meeting? What is it? Is it a combination of all of these? Do I need attendees to be static, the same people every meeting, whether it's weekly or fortnightly or whatever it ends up being? Or do we have different pe people coming in for different agenda items? There is so many variations on, on having meetings that are relevant, productive and that. But you've got to say why are we meeting first. So figure out what they were meeting up to this point. How did they come up with this date, time and composition and frequency? And then start talking about what do we need as an organisation now and involving the people around the table. Involving the people around the table is only part of the equation. You might want to even widen the view so people feel included and not feel historically this person has always been included because of something they've done in the past and why is their opinion better than mine. Give each member of the committee or the, the meeting member to seek feedback from a group of different parts of your organisation. So they come not just with their own view, they must give you their own view of course and that's to be appreciated and respected but also what their team or extended teams thought about that particular question. I think too that you have to establish fairly early on, as we're going to say, what is the purpose of the meeting, but also that if you've been to a meeting and you feel that the meeting is not achieving anything, you can't see the purpose for it, that you don't limit your questions about what it's for to the people who are at the meeting, because people outside of the meeting elite, if we want to put it that way, might have a very different view of what that meeting's about. And that might be useful information for you to have as well. I can talk about two examples in my experience. One is a, a group that meets monthly. And as the age of the group has increased, the purpose of the meeting has decreased. And they are, or they were, this time last year, at the point where the whole of the meeting, two hours, was taken up in reading out loud the minutes of the previous meeting, which didn't make it very interesting, didn't make it very engaging, but really the purpose of the meeting was not about what they were talking about, it was about the social interaction that it provided them. And once they got a new and younger member in and, and she said, well, what's this meeting for? We don't do anything but read the minutes. I can't sit here for two. I can't justify sitting here for two hours reading the minutes of what we talked about last meeting knowing that's what you're going to talk about next meeting. So she asked them permission, which was a very clever move, I thought, to introduce a session where she showed them something that she had learnt and brought them back into the reason that they were having that meeting in the first place. Now, at this stage, 12 months later, it's I think it takes her about 15 minutes out of a two-hour meeting. But it's a little step, and it's a step in the right direction. And although they didn't want to change, they didn't want to move out of their comfort zone and they were worried that she might ask them to do the same thing and present something that they had learned. That wasn't the case at all. She was prepared to take on the responsibility of that small change and show them that it would provide them with a better experience than they were having at that point in time.
the other example I'll talk about a little bit later. One experience came to mind just now is when I conducted a similar exercise and we asked people, there were a couple of newcomers in the room, not been in the workforce very long. One been in the workforce and almost ready for a, the first leadership role, um, team leader sort of role. The other one was not yet at that stage. And they both put their hand up saying they wanted to be at the meeting. And everybody started laughing and I said, oh, we should hear it. So what would you like to be at the meeting? The one that hasn't been there very long, the more junior after two said, well, I know I can't contribute very much at that level. What I want to know is how does my contribution end up being up there? What do you do at this senior management? And if I knew that right at the beginning of my career, I'll know what to aim for. I know the sort of information you might be looking for and the way it should be presented, etc. So I thought that was excellent. It response. kind of ties in with where we talked about knowledge management and knowledge mm. transfer. You know, it's an opportunity sometimes these yeah. meetings to do both that to manage the knowledge within your team yeah. and to transfer and or to plan the transfer of some of the knowledge that is within the team, knowing that it won't always remain within the team. The other person who's now nearly ready for a leadership role said, well, I'm a bit embarrassed to say the truth about why I want to be at the meeting. And it's the chocolate biscuits <laughs> that they have. <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry. Not very good, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, she, what she said was, I actually might sound very vain and very selfish, but I would like to occasionally attend for exposure. I said, okay, what do you mean by that? We all know what the exposure means and to senior managers, etc. What exactly do you envisage in that? And she said, I do work. My work is part of a whole, and so it's only part of an equation. But what I want people to see is how I communicate and think on my feet. So if I was allowed even to attend once or twice and no more, and an agenda item where I could say, well, I have nothing to do with that area, but I think, then people have the opportunity a, to see how I think on my feet, how I communicate, and I have the opportunity of all that skill and experience to tell me how to do that if I didn't get it right the first time. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, as you can see, why we're having the meeting. So now I'm adding to, is it a decision making? Is it an information sharing? Is it a mentoring and coaching meeting? Is it an exposure meeting? Is it all of the above? Can it be all of, all of the above? It's a big question, but you could have then three levels of that meeting. You could have the core, the core of the meeting is similar to what Kim was saying, is where are we at, what we achieved and what's the plan going forward, are we on track, where is any possible things that may not be on track and how, what action have we taken in place, who do we need to engage to do them, that's one, what's our strategy for the next three years or whatever, and we can have action items that are reporting. In those we can give people the opportunity who have done the work to come and present to the group and we can have then the education, training, exposure side of things also covered. The other example that I have that I wanted to talk about is for a longer term meeting. So this is a two day meeting and it happens four times a year. There was an indication throughout, let's go back 18 months, and say that by the time it got to lunchtime on the second day, 
there was a, a great decrease in the number of attendees for that final afternoon session and certainly a lot of people who started midway through the afternoon of saying, I have to get away, I have to get away, because it, there was a, a reasonable amount of travel involved as well. What we had to do was look at why were they leaving, why weren't we keeping them? Not so much why were they leaving because we knew they were leaving to try and get home, but why did they not feel compelled to stay until the end of the weekend when obviously a peak of their interest happened at some point over that those two days? Why were we losing them? And what we determined in the response was that there was a, a competitive element in, in the very first part of the, the two days so that that first half a day was adrenaline-filled, emotion-filled, activity-filled and the rest of the time essentially was downhill from there. So what we needed to do was present them with something that was interesting enough, exciting enough, emotionally driven enough for them to feel compelled to stay for that afternoon, that last afternoon session. What transpired and has worked now for the past probably three meetings, so not quite a year of, of, of the new regime, is that that last session after lunch on the final day is an open session. Anyone can attend. It's not closed to the, the particular group that have been attending for the first day and a half. But that but, those that are running that first day and a half, that are essentially the, the knowledge managers of that activity, come in for that last session. And it is a Q&A session where anyone and everyone who wants to attend and is concerned about something, has a question about something, wants something clarified, is interested, wants to make a suggestion, has the opportunity to do so and everyone else is there to hear it. What has come out of that is not just clarification of processes and of regulations, but a very exciting new project that would never have been proposed had we not changed the structure of these meetings. That's really important in the sense of gone all the days where if you went to the meeting you had knowledge and power over others and it's the secrecy of it. The way Kim described at the end of the meeting it was open. I suggest that in most meetings there are some things time sensitive and confidentiality etc. Apart from those, I think communicating what happens at the meeting will only help your team stay focused on the target that you set. The more information you give them, the more information they up to date on, that will be inclusive and it's not a power thing for only a handful of people. In all of that, we've slipped a bit from what's the emotional input and what's the, the feelings input, which was a part of the case study. I think that emotionally you can get people distracted because they don't see the purpose and so they're already thinking of what they're having for dinner, what they should be doing back at the desk, what the rest of the team's doing, what they're missing out on, either what they're missing out on or what they should be doing. And so there's some emotion that is derived from that, that is frustration, irritation, anger, all of that range of things, and you lose the input that they can make to the meeting because you haven't made it relevant enough, you haven't shown them the, the worth of their input. Their input is, then becomes emotion-driven and feelings-driven, and it's destructive in any management situation. In relation to the emotions about which there will be some, when you reconstruct the meetings and the composition of the meeting change, 
that's going to upset some people who've been on there and all of a sudden not. What hopefully by doing those things that we discussed, you might have lessened that emotional reaction by having included them as well as everyone else in that change. It's their decision as much as it is yours. It wasn't dictated that you're on, you're off, this is why goodbye. It's not like that. It's that person had the opportunity to be part of that process. Yeah, so it's communication and the process that are important in this instance. Okay, I think we've pretty well covered that topic. I'm Kim Bailey. She's Fuliana Osborne. This is Inside Exec.